No, I have youth on Wednesday nights, and obviously I teach at the high school, so everything I'm going to say, teenagers, you've already heard it, so uh, maybe this time here you're made to be a little more quiet because your parents are sitting by you, so you'll listen. Um, so when Scott let us know that he was not going to be um, here with us anymore and he was going to go to McAllister, I'm really excited for him. Today's his first day there, and uh, he called me Friday, and he was nervous, and I was nervous, and you know, just starting something new, you always have that. Um, but, man, we've been blessed by that guy to be here. Um, the time he spent with us, just reaffirming us over and over about God's grace and God's love and God's mercy. And that's his heart, and I appreciate him so much in doing that with us. And hopefully that's uh, we take that lead. And uh, I know when you, when our pastor leaves, I've been through several. Meredith's dad's a, a Baptist preacher, so we know how this is. And it's really easy to get discouraged and not know what the next chapter is. And, um, you know, we're just kind of hanging out, waiting for someone to come. And that's what it feels like. But when we know we're meeting here, not because of Scott or not because of any one speaker, but we're meeting here because of Jesus. And that's it. And if that's the, if that's the bottom line, period, then we're okay. We're going to be fine. Um, and that's the heart we have to have in that. On that note, um, I and the other elders have met a few weeks back and kind of discuss the direction that we wanted to go. And I kind of want to update you guys. I know we don't um, talk a lot about that. So I just want to let you guys know that we are not um, pressing for someone. Just hurry up and get here. But we are looking for someone, obviously, to, to fill in this role. And we want to spend a lot of time in prayer and let, let that happen authentically. We're not putting a time frame on that. Um, we want it to be healthy and something that we're actually seeking God in, and that person is too. So just know that. Uh, we have a schedule built out through February. Uh, between me, myself, or me, uh, Mark, and uh, James Krausen speaking. So we have those slots filled. If it happens before then, we'll throw that schedule away. And if it doesn't happen before then, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. But uh, I'm glad you guys are here. Y'all are uh, a blessing to my family. Uh, I told you guys earlier my family's sick today. Meredith's not, but I've been a little bit. You guys can hear some congestion going on. I'm getting better, but our boys have progressively got worse over the past couple of weeks. We had to took them into urgent care yesterday, and they think... It's the start of some RSV type stuff. They tested negative for it, but the lady still said that's what it sounds like, kind of the early parts of that. So they got them on steroids and antibiotics. They're all jacked up, running around the house. And uh, even though they're coughing like crazy, they act like they're ready to run a marathon. So pray for her this morning because she is home with them. And she texted me a little bit ago, and she said that they took a nap uh, a little earlier today. So it'll be an interesting afternoon and evening for us. But it'll be fun. Uh, whenever I found out over a month ago that this is going to be the day that I speak, um, I was really thinking about what to do. Uh, what have you guys not heard? What can I say again that would encourage us in this, in this time in our church? And luckily for me, Thanksgiving is this week. So that kind of prompted through Wednesday night what I'd already been talking about. Um, I thought, ah, I'm not going to do the same thing I did Wednesday. But the, the more I, I looked into what we were talking about in thankfulness in this, this verse that I'm going to share with you guys today, the more appropriate that seemed for this morning. So uh, we're going to be talking about thankfulness. Thanksgiving's coming up. I know guys that work at the school or in school, you guys are excited as I am to have a week away from that and uh, very thankful for that. But I just want to talk about the word thankful uh, for a little bit. In the Bible, I Google this and I did not count individually, so don't quote me on it. Um, 173 times the word thanks, thankful, thanksgiving is used in the Old and New Testament. There's only 66 books, 173 times. Um, probably a pretty important word. And we use it a lot. Um, someone holds the door open to me, I say, I say, thank you, have a good day. And a lot of times we're thankful for things, and we, we know, we have the knowledge of what we should be thankful for, 
And every one of us can talk about all the blessings we have, but a lot of times we don't sit down and actually reflect on how blessed we are and get in that heart, for th- for thankful, of thankful, thank- the heart of thankfulness for what God has done for us in our lives. Because every one of us has a different story with God. And the thankfulness that we have is going to be different for every single person. If we sat here and had every one of you guys share from your heart what you're thankful for, we could be here all day long. Probably more than just today because of how blessed um, we are. But we take it for granted a lot. Uh, me and Meredith, if you guys know anything about our story, we struggled for two and a half years trying to get pregnant. Um, it was one of those things where it was just, I mean, the longer it went, the more brutal it got. And uh, we you know, sought counseling in that and medical counseling in that. And it, it happened for us. And we're extremely blessed. And a lot of times we forget about that two and a half year stretch of how much we prayed in one of these boys. And when they're sick and hard to deal with and staying up at night coughing, it's like, can't you just go to sleep? Can't I just get some rest? And we lose that, the heart for how thankful we are that we have them because the time in that moment is really hard. And that's the way we treat a lot of things in life. We're thankful for it, and we know how, how that is, how hard it was getting to where we are, but we still get so caught up in the little moments that we forget to be thankful for what we have and what God's blessed us with. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be in, in Leviticus 18. That's a joke. Uh, we're going to be in... <laughs> Leviticus 18, if you guys don't know, is a lot of don't do this, don't do that. Um, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, Luke chapter 17, that was a really bad Bible joke. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. I thought I'd... Hey. <laughs> he was already turning there, he's trying to find it. Okay, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Um, I love, and I don't do it enough, but when I read the encounters, read about the encounters that Jesus had with people... Um, it's just crazy how he reacted with people, how different, especially for that time period, how different he was from the other interaction that was going on. This was a guy that had his own disciples. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. But instead of upholding all his, these religious laws and rules and everything, he was going around breaking them. But while he was breaking them, he was loving people. And that's what he said every time is that if the ox is in the ditch, get it out. You know, this is a Sabbath, but there's, there's work to be done. And he never refused anyone that asked. But he didn't really go out of his way to do a whole lot for people other than what he did on the cross, obviously. But while he was alive, um, if they didn't ask, he really wasn't going to press it on them. The blind people that asked, he healed them. The lepers that asked, he healed them. But um, you know, like the, after he fed the multitude, he was gone the next morning. He's like, I did that for you. That's who I am. He had to continue the journey because we know that where his journey was, was going. He was going back to Jerusalem to be tried and to be hung on a cross so he could die for everybody, so he could love everybody in a way that he couldn't while he was alive. So in, in chapter uh, 17 in Luke, we're kind of at a point where Jesus has started his ministry already. He's already spoken some parables to the disciples, and he's just kind of walking around. He's headed back to Jerusalem. We know that from the verse that we're going to start out with. He's headed back there. Right now, he's not in a town. He's just kind of walking around in the desert, in the wilderness, and uh, he comes across a group of lepers. Um, I think everyone in this room probably knows what a leper is, but I kind of did some research on it. Don't Google like images of stuff like that, uh, especially if you have a weak stomach. But people that had leprosy, it was a skin condition, a disease, where they had boils on the, you know, it's so bad on their body, open wounds, that it would make them crippled. They couldn't walk. They would be all from head to toe. They couldn't walk because of their feet and their legs rubbing and just, they were in a miserable condition. And if you know anything about this time period, if you guys have seen the movie Ben-Hur, have you seen that? So the closing scene, the mother and the sister, they were lepers and they were, they were cast away. And they were prestigious people in their community. This wasn't like 
well, you're this person, you have leprosy, so we're going to keep you in. Like, if you got it, you were gone. You were not, you're not with your family anymore. You're not hanging out. It didn't matter what job title you had. You were gone. You were exiled, and you were to never come back to the civilization again. And if you guys read any more about leprosy, they didn't last very long out there. Um, when they get in that state and there's no treatment for it and they're out there on their own, they would find groups of other people that were like them just for that social part of it. They would cling to each other. They'd have houses built just for the, for the leper people, the leprosy um, condition. And they would, they would not last very long. They couldn't walk. So they couldn't hunt. They couldn't get food. They couldn't get water. So it wasn't like they were like gone for years at a time. If you had leprosy and you were exiled, you were not going to make it. You were being exiled to a death that was going to happen probably in 10 or 15 days. Not very long at all. So he encounters this group. There's 10 of them. So in Luke chapter, chapter 17, verse 11 is where we're going to start. I'm in the ESV Bible. I put it up here in NIV, but it's basically the same. Just read it. Um, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. We read this, and we kind of know what's going to happen. When they say have mercy on us, what do they mean? You guys can answer. Yeah, heal us. Have mercy on us. We're in a bad spot. This is not going to go away. Have mercy on us. Heal us. And at this point, they're probably so desperate that that could mean anything. They've heard of Jesus. They've heard of what he could do. They're probably at the point now where death is better than where I'm at. I do not want to live in this condition anymore. Help us. <clears throat> when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves unto the priest. They're lepers. They're coming to him. Have mercy on us. And he says, Go. Go show yourselves to the priest. They're probably hearing this like, dude, you don't understand. Do you not see us? We can't go to the priest. But as they went, they went, they listened to him, they were cleansed. Gone. He said, go to the priest because he was sending them back, back home. Go show them you're healed. Go show them you can come back home. Um, first, let's stop there for a second. Um, put yourself, you're in a group of 10 people with this deathly disease. There's no hope for you. You can never see your family again. If you have kids, you can never see those kids again. You're in, this is the end for you, and it's a horrible ending. And then this guy Jesus walks up, and you've heard about him. You've heard about some miracles that he's performed, and you heard that he's saying that he is the Son of God, and you have enough faith to come at him and say, have mercy on us. He sends you away. You're cleansed. You're healed. What are you feeling in that moment? I mean, you just got everything that you lost back, every single thing that was taken away from you because of this disease. You had no hope of ever getting again. Have it back. I mean, that, would that not be the best feeling in the world, knowing that you're going back to see what you'd already in your mind kind of, you'd stepped out of that. You knew that wasn't even an option anymore. And now you're going back home because of this guy, Jesus, and what he did for you. Um, so as they went, they were cleansed. The next part's pretty interesting. Um, it's kind of sad. Uh, chapter 15, or verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. All right, so how, how many people were in the group? Ten. And how many turned back and praised him and thanked him for it? One. We read that and we're like, come on. The dude just healed you. He gave you life. I'm sorry, I teach high school, so I say like dude and like a lot because these kids. So yeah, the dude just healed you. He gave you life. You're going back home to see your family, and you can live out this life. It's going to be awesome. Group of ten, walking away, one guy turns around and thanks Jesus. Um, Jesus answered, were ten not cleansed? Where are the nine? 
was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't take the healing that he did for those other ten away, or other nine away. He didn't say, you didn't thank me, I'm taking that back. Come back here and live in your hut. Uh, you're not appreciative. I'm taking it all back. He let them go. He let them know their life. We don't have any documentation of, of what kind of life they lived from there. We just know that he gave it to them. He gave them that life. But only one out of the ten actually took the time. And this is a guy that, I mean, he's not a Jew. He's, he's a foreigner. He knows nothing about this God lifestyle these people are living. He knows that he just got healed and got his life given back to him because of Jesus. How many times in our lives um, do we know the things that we can be thankful for? And we read this, this story and we're like, those other nine, what were they thinking? Those are some boneheads. There's Jesus. He's, he's right there in front of them. What would we give to be there? And he heals them and gives them this new life. And they don't even take the time just to say thank you. It wasn't like he was saying, you know, every one of them needs to come back and bow before me and, and follow this life that I'm sitting out. He's just saying, praise me, acknowledge that I did this for you. And we read that, and we, we're kind of harsh on those guys. We're like, it'd been pretty easy to say thank you. But then when you, th you start thinking about your own stuff in your life, how many times do we get that same way? And we get arrogant in the, in the health that we have, or arrogant in the life that we live, or the job that we hold, or the family that we have. And the arrogance that we have, because it's all just been given to us freely, or we've had to work for it at some point, but now here we are, we've arrived. This is a good life. Uh, we forget what it took to get, to get here. And for me, in, in salvation, um, I was saved when I was in fourth grade. And I've held firm to that ever since. There has never been a point in my life where I thought that that salvation wasn't real. There's been points of doubt for me. Um, but I've always gone back to that time and the faith that I put in God. But there's a lot of life between there, and I hadn't lived a whole lot up to that point. And there's a lot of life that I, even now, there's moments that I just, I'm not thankful. I don't have a heart of thankfulness. When I sit down and think about it, um, if you're from Southeast Oklahoma, you think about the thankfulness. Um, when I sit down and do that, I'm just overwhelmed by how much I've been blessed and how little I actually think about it. So as I was thinking about that, um, I was thinking about just a way to describe that. And the kids heard this Wednesday night. I just kind of come up with this because I've, Felt sorry for my dog. Um, if you've ever been to my house, I have two dogs. A little men pen lives in the house. I have a German Shepherd that lives in the backyard. I used to have three dogs. Um, the one is not dead. She had to go to my brother, so she wouldn't be. It's a little backstory on my two outside dogs. I had Jazzy. I've never paid for a dog in my life, but somehow I've never not had one. Um, people drop them off. People give them to us. Uh, where we live at, First County Road going north out of town. The pound's right there. We get a lot of strays come up. Jolene, who I named afterwards, this is, we'll call her Stray Dog for now, came up to my door one morning before I went to school. She's standing there. Meredith goes to the door. There's this little dog. She's kind of mangy. Uh, what do you want me to do about her? I said, don't feed her. Whatever you do, don't feed her. So I leave to go to school. Meredith calls me before I get to school. She felt sorry for her. She put out some food. And I was like, here we go. <laughs> So that turned into vet bills, and we got her over this mange that she had, and we got her looking a little bit healthy. Now she's running around the neighborhood, just a tyrant. She uh, went to our neighbor's house, killed some chickens. Jazzy's little puppy that we had, Jazzy's tagging along with her, learning all these bad things. So I get home from school one day, and there's a couple of dead chickens in my yard, not mine. And uh, Meredith said that our neighbor's already come down, she knows whose they are, so they're going to be coming back. So they did, 
and they were not very happy. And it wasn't like they killed a couple of chickens. It was like the whole flock <laughs> was out free-ranging these people's yard, and they just had, had a really fun day out there killing these chickens and dragging them around the country. And if you guys know uh, anybody that owns chickens, they're not going to be real happy when all of them die because their neighbor's dog. So the options that we had, we were going to replace our chickens just because I felt so bad about it. I gave them a little bit of money for those chickens. But if the dogs came back on their place again, this was their kindness to us, they're going to shoot them on the spot. And I was totally cool with that. I'm like, yeah, you do that. That's fine. So we go to Tractor Supply. We buy this, this 10 by 10 dog kennel, put them in there. Jazzy won't get out. She's good. Jolene can climb the fence. Jolene's an old-time mountain cur-looking dog, and she's not your average um, pet. She has, has the, the scent for blood. She's had the blood before, and if you guys know anything about that, they can't get that out of their head. So she does anything she can. She digs under it. She climbs over it. She would climb on the tree, jump on the doghouse, climb a couple limbs, flip over. She was gone. It's like, man, I can't do anything about this. So I go to Tractor Supply, or I go to Wirex, and I said, I want to get your underground fence, the shocking fence. Um, I pay like 200 and something. This was an expensive little chicken fiasco. Um, I buy this underground fence. My brother comes over with a little single plow behind his tractor. We plow a trench big enough for these two dogs. We bury this cable. We get these shock collars, and we're going to train them. Start cranking the thing up. We're leading them closer and closer to the barrier. Jazzy got it quick. Jazzy's part German Shepherd. She's pretty smart. After that thing beeped and hit her once, she's never, still to this day, this is four years later, she's never tried to get out. Jolene would not. Um, she would just bear the pain to get back to those chickens. So Jolene moved to Hugo, and she's living with my brother, nowhere near any free-range chickens. Um, he lives out in the country away from everything. So now I have Jazzy in this backyard, and she's a great dog. She's good with the kids. She'll play fetch. Um, she's really fat because we don't walk her enough. But um, a lot of times I wonder, and I was wondering this last week on being thankful, I wonder how thankful she is for this electric fence. You know, she doesn't even know. She's just like, if you go there, you're going to get shocked. And she has no idea what that is because it looks just like the grass everywhere else. But there's something there that's keeping her from getting to those chickens still. And she's probably not too excited about that. I know when Jolene left, she would cry. She would moan out there. It was pretty miserable. So we spent a lot of time with her pre-kids. Once the kids came, she's been neglected a little bit more. But now that they're getting older, they can play with her some. But I, I started thinking about, does God ever do that to us when we're getting out there and doing some stuff that we shouldn't be doing? And we know what's coming if we keep living that life. So sometimes he'll set some barriers up for us. And we, don't, we can't even see those barriers. We just know that th that thing's not working out anymore. Something is not letting that job come to be or not letting that friendship come to be or not letting that um, girlfriend, boyfriend, marriage relationship come to be. Something's in the way. And God, a lot of times I think he puts up those barriers for us. And he's wondering if we're going to be... He freed the lepers. And it's really easy to see how they could be thankful in their freedom. A lot of times we don't think of the reverse on that when God's protecting us from something, um, still being thankful for that protection. A lot of times we're like, man, why isn't God letting this happen? I've applied for this job and it's just not working out. Um, I want to move here and it's just not working out. Um, you guys, you know what I'm saying. Those things are not working out. God puts up those barriers and doesn't let it happen. We don't see the outside of that, that he's keeping us from maybe Jolene's fate or a worse life than he has for us. And he puts up those barriers as a way to, to keep us in. And sometimes there's going to be those Jolines that get across it over and over, and they don't want to stay in, and that's our choice. Jolene had that choice, the dog, even though she's a dog. She could have figured it out. Um, pretty sure she did figure it out. It was just way more tempting to get on the outside than it was to stay in. And I'm not saying that the Christian life is a box that we're just in. 
that we can't get out of. That's not how it is at all, but it's, it's free. It's freedom to not choose that life anymore. And uh, I was just thinking about how thankful I am of the barriers that God's put up in my life and where I've been led and uh, the places that he's put me. And one of those places is here at Cornerstone. And hopefully we got enough time. Yeah, I'm going to stop here pretty quick. So I'm going to show you guys a video. Facebook and uh, cell phones and the Internet are a blessing, and I'm just old enough to appreciate it and young enough to know how to use it all. Um, I remember being in elementary school, and the first time we had a school website, I was like maybe fourth or fifth grade. The teacher's like, oh, our school website's up. She got a phone call on an actual phone. And we sit down at the computer, and she types in the URL for our site and uh, hits enter. And we're sitting there, and they've done this picture of the school, and it's like we hear these phones, fax sounds going on, and it's like connecting, and it's slowly bringing up the picture. And she's like, just go back to your seats. When it loads, I'll get y'all back up here. And fast forward to today, where I can get my phone out, and there's unlimited access to libraries and information and the Bible, and we still take it for granted. I have reminders that pop on my phone every morning, read this verse. A lot of times I'll just swap that away. I'll do that later. I don't have time for that. And we get wrapped up in the convenience of it that we can do it any time, and we still are in the same spot that we were before. So technology helps um, us look back and reflect sometimes if we take advantage of it. So a Cornerstone has had a Facebook page since it was founded in 2008. Um, thanks to uh, Crystal and Kobe Sherrill and some other guys that were involved in that, really keeping that social media up to date. Um, I did not move to Atoka until 2012. I started in the fall of 2012. Me and Meredith moved here in June. And we had visited some other churches. Uh, the first time we got invited to come to Cornerstone Church, uh, Keith Cochran invited us. He was on the school board. I got to learn a little bit just from working at the school. And he said, come. We're in a building. It's back behind Wirex. You might have to bring a lawn chair, but it's, it's, it's a pretty cool place. It's laid back. Don't worry about getting there on time. So we're like, this sounds a little different. So we show up. The first morning that we're on, at Cornerstone Church is when we're in the old building. It faced the old way. If you guys were there during that time, you know what I'm talking about. And it was Scott's first Sunday preaching there. It was our, uh, was our first day visiting at Cornerstone. And after Scott had finished um, talking to the congregation, a couple of guys got up, and they shared their hearts with everybody, and they asked for forgiveness for some things. And uh, it wasn't just like one guy. It was, it was two or three people that were standing up, and they were sharing their hearts. And it wasn't just stuff that you share with anybody. And Meredith and I left there, and I know that some of the guys that talked to us were like, we're sorry, I don't think we're weird, come back. And we're like, no, this is, this is the best experience we've ever had at church. Uh, we've been part of church our whole lives, and to see people actually share things that you don't hear people share uh, was really encouraging to us to keep coming back. So we did. We kept coming back. Um, Philip, I don't know how Philip figured out I could play guitar, but it was like he had a radar. Asked me to play one Sunday with him. We were in the community building while it was being remodeled. The other building was being remodeled. And I played. And I think from that Sunday on, there may be five or six Sundays that I haven't done that. So uh, Philip set me up. But I'm, I'm, I'm in a good spot. I, I love what I do. And whenever we have these times, I mean, Scott's been a big part of that over those, the five years that we've been here. And this is the first time that I've been a part of Cornerstone where Scott hasn't. But there's a lot of you in this room that have already been here before that. You've been in a time when there hasn't been a pastor. And you're still thankful that you had a place, a place to meet and a place to worship. Um, God changes those barriers from time to time. When we think that we know where that shock line is, he'll pull it up and make it a little bigger. Or he might condense it and make it a little smaller. And he's, we're always... When we think we got it figured out, it's going to be a little bit different than we thought. And uh, that's, I think that's where our church has been. We had it figured out. we got a building now. This is awesome. Um, Scott's here. we got a pastor. 
Uh, and then when those things change, we kind of we, we get uncomfortable. We start we stop trying to walk to those borders to see where we can go. We're just like, well, I know it's safe here, and I'm not going to go anywhere because it's safe here. Um, that's not where God wants us to be. God wants us expanding those barriers and making those relationships with people. This church, the reason that I'm in this church, the reason that Meredith is in this church is because of the relationships that we have with you guys. And I want to speak on the thankfulness that we have for you, but also encourage you at the same time that you're the reason that we're here. Um, I think God put us in this, in this body uh, to love you guys the way that you have loved us from the time we come in as outsiders. So I got on Facebook, and I'm looking through all the pictures from Cornerstone, and I had the bright idea in a little bit of free time because I show my kids a movie Friday. Have any of you teachers ever been there? It's like it's the Friday before Thanksgiving break. It's movie day. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I've got my movie playing for the kids, and I'm looking through this, and I, I put all those pictures together because it shows the progression from 2008 to 2017 of how far the Cornerstone Church, not building, but people have come, the relationships that have continued, the new relationships that have been put in, and foundation of all of it, and what I started off saying, is that Jesus has been a part of every, every part of it. It's been people seeking Jesus together, seeking His grace together, understanding that we're not any better than anybody else in this room or outside of this room, and that it's up to us to show the love that we've been given, be thankful enough for it, for Jesus cleansing us, dying on that cross for us. He did, if you did, didn't put that together in this story, He did for the whole world what He did for those ten lepers. And that's probably an accurate percentage of how many people actually acknowledge and recognize that and are thankful for it, about one in ten. Those other nine are still out there, and he's still done it for them. And it's up to us to build, make those relationships authentic enough so that we can share that. And it's not going to be just some other church person sharing the same old story. It's going to be Clay, and it's going to be Jack. And they, they have that relationship with you so they know you better. Um, you've spent time loving them so they know that you're, you're, you're sharing what you're sharing out of love. Um, that's what's going to keep growing our body. Um, the foundation that we have, the foundation that we've set over the past nine years, um, we have a, a bright, bright future ahead of us if we keep our, our faith in God, our relationship with God, and our relationship with people. So I'm going to show you this video. I'm going to talk a little bit more and uh, still get you guys out of here before you get too hungry. I don't know about you guys, but when I see that and I, I think about being involved in a lot of that stuff, um, we have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, Thanksgiving, most of you guys know kind of the history of Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving's been around a lot longer than the United States of America. We like to claim it because uh, Abraham Lincoln made it a national holiday during the Civil War. Uh, I know some history. But it, if we look in God's Word, uh, Thanksgiving has been around since the beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve being thankful for what they were given in the garden and then thankful again for what they still got to keep after they, they lost so much. Um, Thanksgiving, as a national holiday this week, as we gather with families, it's a time to uh, look back and reflect on all the things that we have to be thankful for. And I hope that this church is on your list of things to be thankful for. And uh, as we move forward, as we, as we are thankful for that, it helps us continue because we know that there's a whole lot more to come. If the lepers at that time would have known that this guy that's walking to Jerusalem is going to go there to overthrow a temple that they were selling some stuff in and go before the chief priest and be arrested in a garden and die on a cross so that everyone could have what he'd just given them, um, they might have sat there and reflected a little bit more on what just happened. And sometimes we get so caught up and so busy 
in what we're doing in the moment that we forget to look back and look at, look at what God's already done. Because the thing is, if God never blesses another one of us again here physically, He's done enough already. Uh, his, his sacrifice that He has made on the cross for us is more than enough. That we, that we don't deserve it. He's already done it. But yet, He still continues to bless us over and over again in ways that we still don't deserve. So acknowledging that and sharing that gift with others is what we're all about. And uh, I hope that as we, as we go out this week, you guys don't forget that. So um, next week, next Sunday, we're going to, after the service is over, I don't know how many are going to be here. I know we have several that are going to be out um, for the holidays. But we do have a, we're on the schedule at the jail across the street to provide them with lunch. Um, Stephanie and Charles are in Cabo for Thanksgiving with their boys. They're on vacation right now. A much needed vacation. If you guys have paid attention to what Charles has been uh, dealing with, which I don't know how you wouldn't uh, know that if you live here in our state. So uh, pray for those guys. They have some rest, time to relax. I think Stephanie's birthday is happening uh, while they're gone. So that they're, I think they're, they're going to be gone next week. Um, I think Michael may be gone next week. There's going to be several that have been involved with this meal in the past that are going to be gone. I'm going to try to pick up as much of that slack as I can on getting the food from Pruitts and everything. We just mainly need people to bring uh, green beans, corn, and dessert, and like crock pots of those if you can. So if you're going to be here next week with us, please uh, attempt to bring that. I think Meredith's going to post on our Facebook page the exact items that we need. If you guys will just comment on there and tell her what you're bringing, uh, we'll mark that off and, and let y'all bring that. The meat and the potatoes and all that we'll take care of, and the plates and all that. We will need people to stay after the service to help put them together and uh, carry them to the jail. The few times we've done that, it's been, you can just sense the thankfulness that they have for that. that. They get fed three meals a day, but it's not what we give them. Um, they're very appreciative of that. And it gives us a chance to, to be a face for when they get out. They know that we've done something and blessed them before. So uh, thank you guys for coming this morning. I hope that this is something that you can take away and, uh, and go love some people this week and invite some people here to join us and be part of what we're doing and what we have done and just continue to be blessed about what God is doing in the moment what he will do, but don't forget about what he's already done. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, you guys are dismissed. Lord, we thank you for, for today. God, thank you for this week that our uh, nation has set aside an actual day that we can be off work, and uh, God is with family, reflecting on all the blessings that, that we have in this world, and they're all because of you. God, thank you for this church and the love that, that it has shared with so many lives, God, um, the love that comes straight from you. God, I pray that we seek you individually. God, uh, not just corporately, God, but just one-on-one -on -one with you so we can be drawn closer to you to experience that love and grace, God, and then share that with others, not, not keep it for ourselves. God, I pray that you uh, help us to remember to have a mindset like the one leper, not the nine. God, uh, to always be thankful for what you've already done for us, God, and not just focus on what you haven't or what we want you to do, God, but what you've already done. Lord, just uh, be with us this morning as we leave. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.